0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Beer Barrel Podcast. I'm your host, Normal Volfan, and today I thought about switching up again. We talked ACC last episode, and I thought about bringing on the Big Ten this episode. So we're going to be talking to Blake Stackpool, who's a big Michigan fan, and he really knows his stuff. I'm also going to be joined by uh, my buddy Volbreaker, and we're just going to you know, chit-chat about Michigan football, even some Tennessee, and see what's going on this week. So let's get right into it. All right, guys, we'll get right into it. Um, We're here with uh, Blake Stackpool talking Michigan football. Man, I just want to ask you one, you know, first question. We'll go right off the rip. You know, when did you become a Michigan fan and what inspired your love for your certain team?
1: Yeah, um, so basically the day I was born, I was already going to games uh, beforehand. Uh, I was attending a few games uh, in the fall before I was born in January. uh, So shout out my mom for that. But um, basically, since, you know, as soon as I was old enough, I was about, I think, 2005-ish. I started when I was about five years old, going on most games. Uh, My grandfather's had seats in our family forever. Um, We had seats at about the 40-yard line, and now we're in the end zone. So I've been pretty much outside of when I was in college. I've been to almost every Michigan home game. I'm currently in Buffalo, and I traveled from Buffalo back to uh, Michigan the past two seasons for all the games. So a nice little four-hour drive. So, Hey, listen, it's always Michigan for me. All sports too, so it's it's nice to support a team. Uh, I didn't go to Michigan, but uh, I went did a, did a sport in college that Michigan didn't really offer. But uh, listen, it's Michigan, everything. Uh, I don't miss a game. It's my grandfather always jokes in the family. Uh, we had one of uh, my aunts was trying to get married in the fall, and he goes, "Listen, there's fifty-two weekends, twelve of them are occupied. You know, the other forty, go for it." So <laughs> it's just been ingrained in my family my entire life.
0: Hey, man, actually, the guy in this with us, Vaugh he actually got me into Tennessee uh, last year. Uh, I mean, I've been a college football fan all my life, but, you know, being, I'm from New York, so we don't have that, you know, stellar team to just fall in love with. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he introduced me and brought me to the Florida game with him last year. And same thing, four hour drive, you know, after that, dude. Uh, I went to the Bama game last year with him and um, season ticket holders for life now. So I get what you're saying, man. It's crazy uh, how much you could fall in love with a certain team. So, but yeah, um, now speaking of all, you going, I will
2: always take credit for turning you into a ball fan.
0: <laughs> I, and I, hey, and I always tell people that, so uh, you should be proud. And yeah. Uh, yeah, now I love it. Look, I'm doing a podcast for him. So, you know, really enjoyable. And now just like you, you know, you said, you go to a lot of games. Um, What's your all time favorite game you've been to?
1: So there's a few games. Uh, I always say there's three games that uh, really come to mind, actually four really that come to mind. Uh, I was at the app state game. Uh, I will say that that is always in my, one of my most favorite games and people usually think I'm insane, but it, you know, I was seven years old and it really set the tone, especially as a Detroit, I'm from Detroit. So, as our pros teams have been pretty bad too as well recently. It's kind of like, listen, nothing's for sure in life. It was a pretty funny lesson for me to learn that age that I was like, just young enough where I kind of got it. But on the car ride home, I was like, wait, we actually lost? That counted? So that was a a big (laughs) one. Um, Chronological, I'll stay in the order. Uh, The Under the Lights Notre Dame game, it was the first Under the Lights game. It was the most viewed, uh, I think, in a college stadium. I think you guys had a game uh, at one of the speedways with 140,000 people. But in the big house be like 111,000, 113,000 um, game was super late at night. I was 11 years old and uh Bernard Robinson late. You know, we were, I think we were down 21 going into the fourth quarter, ended up winning right at the end. Uh, both teams had throwback unis was under the lights. It was a big deal because Michigan traditionally didn't do night games up to that point. And then um, there was a seven or no, it was triple overtime against uh, Illinois. It was like 66, 65 back when both teams were terrible. Jeremy gallon went crazy. It was a bunch of nobodies, but you know, it was from Michigan and Illinois fighting for bowl relevancy. And then, of course, has to be last year uh, in person or two years ago, 2021, Michigan, finally getting the monkey off our backs of Ohio State. And I'm sure you guys can relate with Alabama, man. There's nothing nothing better when, you know, emotion just comes out. I was with one of my best friends and we were like basically bawling in each other's arms. Everyone was just like, just the emotions. It was like a soccer game final where everyone was just going crazy, limbs, you know, blood, sweat, tears, the whole crowd. It was, you know, it's just the pageantry and passion of college football just summed up in a finally beating a rival after a super long drought.
0: Oh, yeah, and uh, Breaker will tell you, we weren't sitting next to each other. I was in a different section than him, but I could see him from, what, 100 yards away? And, um, yeah. dude, every time we scored, it was like me and him would, like, lock eyes from that far away and just, like, you could just, even that's the passion, but um, you I know, going I
2: was going to eventually throw my shoulder out trying to give you like an air five from a hundred feet away.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. You know, that's that's dude. College football is so like such an incredible thing, man. And you know, speaking of you know, Nealon, but the big house. It's one of the most iconic college football stadiums or venues in the world or in college football. What makes it unique? You know, how does the atmosphere impact the team? Obviously, you know, a hundred and whatever thousand. That's, I mean, it's got to be incredible.
1: Yeah. So, um, coincidentally, I also went to Nealon for the first time last year uh, at the Florida game as well. My sister, she's uh, going to be a senior there this year. She's, uh, down there, she had no interest in Tennessee, had no idea what was going on, but it a really good nursing program. So she's down there for that. So I can compare it to Nealon to kind of give it a bit of an advantage here. So what's really wild um, about the Michigan stadium is it's just one level. Like there's one entrance at the one thing and it's just, you know, 60 rows down 30 rows up. Like, I know like in Neyland, you got to go up to like the third level. There's a big level Mm -hmm. up there. It's just one big bowl. And it's really cool for visually appealing. I brought some of my Michigan state friends to the game last year and they're like, Holy crap. This is a one big bowl. There's a hundred thousand people in a bowl. You know, there's a bit of levels at other stadiums and things like that. But it, there's pros and cons. The pro is you're like, wow, this is crazy. It's super easy. Every row, you can just go walk right up and down. It's in and out pretty quick. Um, you know, I've never had much trouble leaving the stadium. I mean, within a half an hour, you're already on the highways minimum. Um, but the sound retention is brutal. I mean, I was at that Florida, you know, Florida Tennessee game. and I was getting a headache almost. It was so loud. And outside of the fourth quarter of the Ohio State Michigan game, it really hasn't been that loud. So part of what they're doing now is they added the sides, the big suites. Now you see are up there. Um, They're extending the scoreboard as we speak. Uh, It's almost comically large now, but it's trying to help get retention in. And they're trying to get into the 21st century up in Michigan. They're having uh, some light shows now, finally is allowed. But um, due to uh, county, I think it's county restrictions, they can't even do fireworks. But that was the coolest thing for me, man. I was like, you know, you guys scored a touchdown. There's like light shows, fireworks. I was like, this is awesome. Like I was like, as an entertainment, an addition on the field And, and Michigan, it can get a little boring, just being brutally honest as a Michigan fan. Um, you know, the, the sound's on a little bit of a delay. The, the, the It needs a little bit of a facelift, but uh, they're getting there, and they're, they're trying to get a bit more into the in the modern 21st century. But, you know, it is nice that it is, it, you get a little bit of tradition there. It's just these little metal benches. It's all the way around metal benches other than the luxury boxes. But – Yeah. You're right on top of the guy next to you. You know, it's the luck of the draw, you know, either next to a a small girl or big guy. And, and, you know, it it is good though when it's freezing and everyone's got their big coats on to pack it in, you get a little warmth from that. But uh, other than that, yeah, that's pretty much I got in the big house.
0: Yeah, man, that's one of the stadiums I would love to be able to go to and just, you know, God, I would love to go to that Michigan Ohio state game one day and you know, either stadium, because I know you guys hate each other and, um, so i can only imagine cuz uh, like you said same thing tennessee alabama tennessee florida it's like dude it's crazy but um you know speaking of ohio state you know do you guys play them at home this year correct ooh that's going to be a good game and that honestly i'm not very high on ohio state this year i get it you know they're they're going to be good i mean but i don't see them beating you guys and i might even see penn state beating them and um
1: hey it works for me. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah,
0: I know because you got I mean let me just say though, and I don't know if uh Breaker will uh uh you know join me in this, but to me, I'm sorry, JJ McCarthy is not that
1: good. Hey, you know, I, I I understand where you're coming from there. <laughs>
2: it's one of those that you know Ohio State, you know, they're of course they're bringing back Marvin Harrison Jr. and that's pretty much their whole offense that's gonna be that's all they're going to have next year is that, you know, they're, they're going to be one dimensional with him. I feel like, I mean, of course they're probably going to have a couple of five stars here and there, but the, what's really intriguing is going to be how much they're bringing back on defense. Cause last year their defense, I feel like was a very underrated thing. You know, their defensive line defensive ends were pretty elite and they have arguably a top 20 pick at middle linebacker probably coming out the end of this year
1: with, I believe it's Eichenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Their their secondary was a big problem last year, but their defensive pass rush is crazy. I mean, Jack Sawyer they don't talk about it at all. JT Tumalau, if he can put together more than a half in a season, that guy. I mean, if you watch the second half of the Penn State Ohio State guy, he was that number forty four that was absolutely yes. everywhere. I mean, he had like two touchdowns. That dude was unbelievable. You're right. So. If, if he can
2: if he can come a full game and not just you know three or four drives, that he is the best player on the field. If he can put together all four quarters of just being that guy, that dude, he, that's gonna, he's going to be probably one of the top defenders in the country.
1: For sure. Yeah, I think he's going to go pretty quick in the draft. But when you look at Ohio State, obviously quite biased here. You know, I was like, I always joke in my videos too to, to wear my stuff so everyone knows that I'm <laughs> inherently biased. But it's the first time in my entire lifetime, I'm 23 years old, where I think we're going to actually beat him. Like even last year and the year before it was like, you know, Hey, it's a 50, 50, you know, we were a touchdown underdog going into the game, but obviously it doesn't really matter as much in rivalry games, but this team just doesn't have that, that, that edge and that fear. Like I, you know, I'm sure it goes for you guys at Bama and stuff where it's like, I dreaded that game. I I go to it every year. I have like PTSD from those games. I remember the, I think it was the 2019 game with uh, Shea Patterson where, my friends to my friends was their first one. And my other guy, he was going to the games a lot. It was like our fifth or sixth one, seventh one at home. And we're like, we just want to be ahead at some point so we can have some false sense of security. And they're both like, we're going to win. I remember we went up six, nothing missed the extra point. We're like, listen, we'll have that moment for the rest of the game. And those guys were super locked in. We ended up getting ran out the building. they beat us for like 30 or 40. It was the Justin Fields, JK Dobbins team. That was just absolutely unbelievable. And they just don't have those guys this year. Obviously Marvin Harrison's unbelievable. I mean, they had him last year with a Heisman level quarterback that clearly Devin Brown, who's likely I assume is going to be the guy. Isn't that guy. I I think they're getting, they're getting back to that point, but it takes a year or two to obviously with the recruiting cycles to get there.
0: Yeah. But I'm going to go back to the JJ McCarthy thing that I said, the way I look at, I'm not saying he's bad. Mm -hmm. The way I look at him is how people look at Joe Milton. So like, I think J.J. has a little bit more to prove. Um, Honestly, I thought you guys were going to slaughter TCU last year. And I I mean, you guys – go ahead, Todd.
2: I I feel like there's a lot of similarities when it comes to McCarthy and Milton in the area of, you know, both teams just need them to be average because Michigan's going to rely so heavy on their run game with Corum I mean, you don't need him to be good. You just need him to be average because, I mean, obviously you're going to rely on play action at some point, you know, just to draw that defense when you start drawing them in. And all you got to do is just make sure that he can hit that, you know, 10, 15-yard in pass. And, you know, if he's an average quarterback that's making these easy throws, then, you know, Michigan could be pretty dangerous when it comes to their offense.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, your offensive line, what, they won that – uh
1: Joe offensive Moore line,
0: yeah, yeah, what two years in a row,
1: yeah, back to back years. So, and a, has it ever been curse, done because Georgia was two, and that's you know,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, but has it done? Has anyone three peated in that?
1: No, um, they're looking to this year, it's been a big thing. Obviously, uh, the Bustle with the Boys podcast is huge. Taylor Lewan, ex Michigan mm-hmm. lineman, had them all on, they're all looking to do the same thing. Uh, upgraded arguably at center as hard as that is, uh, bringing in Drake Nugent, transfer from Stanford. Uh, lost our left tackle to the pros, but we brought in uh, Ladanius Henderson is the guy's name. He's from uh, Arizona State. So it was two quick additions in the portal. And, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, look, you know, Blake Coram's not that good at that offensive line. That's not a problem for me to worry about. You know, I have no problem with the semantics game as long as we're still averaging crazy yards per carry and things like that. But when both of them got hurt, I mean, Donovan Edwards is playing with a torn patella tendon and a broken hand in the Ohio State game, he went crazy. And so if he was at like 80%, 70% and he did that, he's just as good. They're allegedly planning to have them both on the field. Um, I wouldn't mind if we had a Jameer Gibbs type role, just for quick uh, comparisons for uh, Donovan Edwards catching some balls out of the backfield. And again, you don't really need JJ to do ton, but when we were down both backs basically in that TCU game and we were behind for the first time all season, you know, it's tough with a run-heavy offense, especially now with the r- running clock rules. That we're probably going to need mm-hmm. JJ to do a few things. So, the alleged rumor—this is you know—it's I always joke. It's kind of like the uh, the NBA and the off season. Some guy that can't shoot, hitting open threes in the gym. They're like, JJ is doing great on these passing drills. He's doing that. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to see it to believe it because Michigan's gonna be a run first team, and it's basically always been that way. Uh, you know, once or twice there's been a few exclusions, but it's it's still tough for me to firmly say. If we're down, you know, minute left, you know, down six, down seven, do I trust JJ to lead us down the field and in, in score? I can't answer firmly yes right now. And if you're a championship-level team like Michigan is, and with obviously good reason to be, that's a tough question to have. Like you know, obviously Hendon, you would say yes. You CJ Stroud, you'd say yes. Destin Bennett, even you'd say yes. And I guess even you could say Max Duggan at this point. So it's 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 a big question. and hopefully, you know with Harbaugh being out, they said the passing game coordinator might be the head coach, interim head coach, or he'll be interim offensive coordinator because our offensive coordinator is also out. Maybe we'll just spray the football against you know our our notoriously soft uh, out of conference schedule. but uh, we'll see how that all how all turns I th-
0: out. I thought Harborough was uh not getting suspended.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was joking it's like the scene in the office snip, snap, snip, snap. So he was suspended. Then the NCAA and them agreed it was going to be six games. and it was negotiated down to four. And then the committee came in and said no. And now Michigan has a self-imposed three games. So that's the most recent update as of uh, right now. I mean, it's a super fluid situation. Our offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, I believe is still also out for one game. So. I think the idea is Michigan to do like a time served thing because with Harbaugh's ever and never ending you know love affair and flirtation with the NFL every off season, seemingly he's interviewing for jobs. An extra thing over his head is like, hey, you're gonna get suspended six games. Why the hell would he come back? I wouldn't even blame him, right? You know, I don't want that hanging over his head. So I think Michigan's trying to go for a a time served, you know, we'll scratch your back, you'll scratch ours, sort of thing, and maybe that'll help out because I, I don't think the networks are going to want Michigan to not have Harbaugh for that Texas game week two next year.
0: Yeah. You know, speaking of, you know, Harborough, you know, you guys had a couple of, you know, really good coaches in the past. Um, But who is that guy that you might miss a little bit? Not thinking of, you know, Harborough.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, obviously Harbaugh's got a pretty good tree going on. Um, There's been a few uh, backs and forth between him and his brother in the NFL. Um, Mike McDonald is currently the defensive coordinator out there for the Ravens. He was an analyst for them, and then he was here, and then he's back. Jesse Minner is currently our defensive coordinator. I would be stunned if we had either coordinator going into next season. Um, Jesse Minner was unbelievable. His defensive, if you look at the Michigan second-half stats uh, in any game, let alone the Ohio State games, defensively-wise, it was crazy. I mean, we were either tied or trailing most games at halftime, as crazy as it was. And then we would just go lights out. I mean, I think Ohio State has scored six points in the last two second halves he played against them. And he's going to definitely go to some major thing. And then Sharon Moore is the, the man in waiting. Um, he's got Oklahoma ties. So if Venables doesn't work out, I'm sure he'd go there. He's kind of the heir apparent, people believe. He's our current offensive coordinator. He's the O-line coach more specifically as well. So he's really brought in those crazy O-line classes and helped build the culture up. As for guys I miss, really isn't anyone. I mean our ex offensive coordinator Bryles Award winner was uh Sharone Moore and then obviously go find out uh, how he did in South Beach last year. He's got fired after one year and he's now up as uh, the offensive coordinator for the Maryland Terrapins. M- no one super specifically honestly. My answer will probably drastically change at this time next year. Um hopefully we lose both coordinators or at least you know one because I think Sharone's kind of the getting groomed to be the next guy. If, if Jim intends to leave this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, Um, you know, whether it be Jim just thinks he can't do it or wants to get back to the NFL or if Michigan, you know, God willing wins the championship, he'd probably go out on top. That's just my guess.
0: Yeah, I definitely can see that happening. Um, You know, speaking of, you know, we talked about JJ and we talked about Quorum, but you know, I want a guy on each side of the ball, but who's that guy on offense other than those two that you think might have a, I wouldn't say breakout year, but a really good year. And same thing on defense. Who's that guy that people might not think about and say, you know, you could say, Oh, I think he's going to have that year.
1: Absolutely. Um, so the other running back, obviously, Donovan Edwards, um, I would be surprised if he's not the first running back off the board next year is dual threat ability on the backfield. Dude's unbelievable. Uh, pass catcher. He's a Easy answer. I would say that the better answer for me, our receivers stink just being straight up. Um, You know, none of these guys are going to do much in the next level. Ronnie Bell is doing a bit for the 49ers in preseason, but I mean, he was a seventh round pick. So um, the tight end room is really good. Colston Loveland um, out of of Idaho, out of all places, you know, who's recruiting out in Idaho, but (laughs) he's a big tight end. He's number 18. He uh, had a few good games this year. We had our captain last year, Eric all he transferred with Cade McNamara over to Iowa. Um, and then Luke Schoonmaker was hurt and got drafted. So he's there. And then we brought in the grad transfer, A.J. Barner from uh, from Indiana. He had a pretty good spring game. So I think our two tight ends would be really good. Um, obviously, our offensive line, it's nothing sexy with, you know, picking offensive line. But all five guys look to be drafted. Harbaugh's got an infamous now quote that uh, he, he thinks that 20 Michigan players are going to get drafted, which I think is a little ridiculous personally. But, I mean, I think I would say eight offensive guys are going to get drafted, most likely. Um, so – that's for on offense. I mean, it's pretty much the usual suspects there. Hopefully it's JJ McCarthy, but um, on defense, you got Chris Jenkins uh, nose tackle. This guy's an absolute force. He was next to Mozzie Smith last year who went in the first round, his nose tackle coming in, in Mozzie Smith's place. I would argue is Mason Graham, a uh, young guy, he's going to be super good. Uh, we've been really good with the edge position over the past few seasons uh, with being David Ajabo, obviously Aiden Hutchinson, most famously, Mike Morris, mm-hmm. most recently, um, Brayden McGregor is really coming off of a strong end of the last season. Um, Will Johnson, he's our corner. One of my favorite guys. He went to my high school in gross point, Michigan, a Northern suburb of Detroit. He was a true freshman last year. He's getting a lot of looks around the country as being a super big guy. Um, Mike Sandistrill, uh, he's our nickel corner. He was a receiver transferred a corner and did very well. And, um, the guy that no one's really talking about, I think is, uh, our linebackers, uh, junior Colson, and Michael Barrett. Um, these two guys are really all over the field. And now that we have a different defensive scheme a little bit, I think we'll be able to blitz the the linebackers a bit more. Really didn't blitz much last year. So, um, and then the, one of the other guys, Rod Moore, safety. Um, Michigan's had a pretty good pipeline of safeties the past few seasons. And um, you obviously look at Dax Hill over in Cincinnati, and the Bengals doing real good. And I think he's going to be one of the better guys in the country at that position. And uh, hopefully, wearing the turnover buffs, which is the the Cartier glasses they put on as our little turnover celebration. So hopefully. He'll be doing that a lot. But the the second corner position is probably the biggest hole on this team, I would say. They brought in Josh Wallace, a, a transfer from UMass. No disrespect for UMass, but, you know, if you're starting a guy from UMass, it's a little a little sketchy. So we'll see how that goes. And if if that problem is sealed, then Machine's defense will be as lights out as it's been the past few seasons.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, it's probably – I mean, you look at our, what, Breaker? How How bad was our defense last year?
2: Uh, I would in past defense uh, with our secondary, I'd say that's we were probably maybe just above Vanderbilt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, run
2: yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: was good though. I know Byron Young. Oh, that's a,
2: our good. that's what that's one thing that I wanted to hit on is you know I don't feel like our defensive line got enough credit last year for you know with their run defense. You know nobody could run the ball against us. It was all you know they all beat us downfield with passing. But you know every team that we played you know, outside of Alabama, who had a couple breakaway runs, but, you know, that's Jamar Gibbs. He's going to make something happen. Uh, But as far as a defensive line unit, you you couldn't ask for a better year last year with the run-stopping ability that they had, and I feel like that was overlooked so much just because how bad the secondary actually was.
0: Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think, honestly, our defense is going to be way better this year. I'm very confident because, I mean, look at the depth we have this year. Last year, uh, what was it? In the Alabama game, we actually had a walk-on playing at the end of the game. Yeah, and, corner. yeah and wasn't it the play where Jameer Gibbs uh, missed uh, the, the catch to set up the field goal?
2: Yes, it was.
0: Yeah, I mean, this year that's not going to happen. I mean, I think our linebacker room is pretty scary this year. Oh yeah,
1: that transfer from BYU I heard is making noise, in the freshman as well.
0: Oh yeah, dude, Ar- Arion Carter, man. I, yes, I, that's, that guy. That's yeah, that that kid looks like he's three year, four year SEC player already. And mm-hmm. I mean, when you're voted to be a true freshman All American, I mean, you got to be doing something right. Yeah. But um, hopping into another one, man. Like, so speaking of the SEC, um. Who are the teams you're most worried about other than Georgia? Obviously Georgia's Georgia. And honestly, I just don't believe in Alabama this year, so but I mean it's Nick Saban, I get it, but when you don't have a quarterback, it's just I just don't know. So I'm kind of curious on you know Michigan's take on like who would you want to play other than Georgia? Who would you rather play in the SEC?
1: Yeah, um, I would say, obviously, with the whole me saying of an issue of potentially weakness at secondary corner, I would love to not have to play like, you know, your your guys' air raid super fast style thing. I I would love to not have to deal with it. I would think we wouldn't have a problem with it, to be honest, but I really wouldn't want to have to deal with it too much. Um, LSU, they've got some dudes. they got some freaks on defense. Obviously, the dual threat nature of Jaden Daniels is something I don't want to deal with as well, but... It's really Georgia and Alabama, man. I, I'm the fact that no one's talking about them and they're still setting it at the second odds in Vegas. They're all lines unbelievable. I mean, they got Caden Proctor. They stole from uh, Alabama, on, uh, from Iowa, excuse me, like on signing day. He was flipped at the last second. Even the Crystal Balls didn't have that happening. Uh, Jace McClellan is a damn good back. I mean, you don't really have to be on those offensive lines. Just the receiver group is not even close to what it's been in years past. I mean, I remember when we played Alabama last in the uh, Citrus Bowl, You know, their receiver room, they had Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, uh, Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs, all those guys, right? And this year, I think it's like what? Kobe Prentice and like uh, Jermaine Burton, whose season highlight was smacking a sorority girl on your field. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so, don't get me started with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, the biggest threats are probably in conference. I mean, I'm not going to go with the company line. Uh, that everyone's been getting on on hot take radios of uh, Penn State doing all this and, and winning the Big Ten, but I think Clemson's getting slept on a lot. I know, obviously, I was I was at the game uh, with my sister of the Orange Bowl, and there was a few things I liked. Obviously, not nah, they have to work on that defense a lot. Not the guy, not a lot of the guys played, but I think Cade Klubnik is one of the more underslept quarterbacks for sure. Um, they they could do damage. I think they obviously have a pretty cakewalk going. In. I'm not a big Florida State guy personally. And then uh, out in the Pac-12, I mean, they've got all the quarterbacks, but no defenses, right? You know, I'd say the best defense out of those groups would probably be Washington, maybe Oregon. But uh, if if USC has a pulse on defense, which we haven't really seen from Lincoln Riley team in a while, I mean, obviously Caleb Williams is one of the best players we've ever seen in the last few years. So him in any game, he can just go God mode and take over, right? So obviously those are the teams I'd worry about. The only team I would say in a neutral field, I think we would be, you know, significantly underdog against would probably be Georgia, just because historical. But they're losing a lot more important positions they have in years past. Obviously, last year, you know, they'll say, the Georgia fans will be like, "Well, you guys said that last year." But yeah, well, it's different when it's a corner, you know, quarterback, obviously, and a few other guys. Oh yeah, losing running backs, things like that. The other positions they had are replaceable. But I would say, as a Michigan fan, the only team I'm, I'm, I would say I'm scared of, I would say I, I would have to be would have to be Georgia.
0: Yeah, you know, Georgia really all depends on how Carson Beck looks, because we I talked about it when I talked with uh, Sidelines Georgia on one of the episodes, is, you know, week five for them is going to be really important, because they go to Auburn, and that's his first real test, because Auburn's going to be good, well, they're going to be better this year, and of course it's, you know, at Auburn, so... And, and then he's got to come to us, which Nealand is, you know. And I'm trying not to be biased, but Nealand's pretty ready for intense. That game. Oh yeah, and if that and if, be,
1: that's the, best, the biggest road test you could probably possibly have, I would say.
0: Well, yeah, and if you if ever if the dominoes fall right, and Breaker will you know attest to this. If the dominoes fall right, Nealand might be even worse than the Bama game last year because that's for the title of the East. And Absolutely. That, yeah. And that brings us to the SEC championship game. But that's if everything aligns right because we got to play Florida, A&M, South Carolina, uh, Alabama. You know, it's we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting this year. But like I said many a times before, college football is like anything could happen on any oh, given yeah. Saturday. So you never know. So, you know, you got to beat the, you got to beat those little teams first to get to that, that game. Absolutely. You know, and you know, speaking of you guys uh schedule, like what do you I know you guys play Penn State and you go to you go to, to Penn State. Correct. And then you got Ohio State at home. So I'm not really worried about your Ohio State game. I I like you said, I just they're losing CJ Stroud. They still have Marvin Harrison Jr., I get that, but that's you know, a wide receiver can only do so much. Mm-hmm. um but penn state penn state is kind of scary this year and
1: definitely definitely playing them thankfully uh fox has the uh you know the the grand idea that everyone wants the best game of the week to be at noon which i completely disagree with but it works great in my favor when penn state is trying to have it be a night whiteout, out and it's going to be a big noon instead so you know it, much better vibes for michigan uh, i will be making the trip down there this year Um. Everyone says it's 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 you know no one's picking Michigan really to win it yet Michigan's still favored in Vegas. Um, it's kind of a put up or shut up thing with uh, James Franklin. I always joke with him and Harbaugh. It was you know they're having a mid off. It was it was who's going to beat the you know can't win a big game allegations first. Thankfully Harbaugh did it for me. Franklin just loves to overcoach those games. Like you watched that Ohio State game and this man he single handedly took it from his team. They kept going for. It. They kept running read options in years past. He just loves getting his hands on those games and losing, man. So as long as he's there, it's fine. Drew Aller, I think he's going to need a year. I think 2024 is the year of Penn State. I mean, Michigan will be down. Ohio State probably will still be a little bit down. I think they could definitely make a ton of damage next year. But, you know, God forbid that's four teams coming into the conference next year is going to be a nightmare. But Penn State will be a big game, man. Their Their, their trenches are great. They've got, you know, a first round pick on either side, the Olu Olafashanu, I, I butcher his name. Olu, the big guy, the left tackle. That guy's going to go probably, you know, top 10. They've got uh, Chop Robinson's freak edge. The, the new modern, like, you know, hybrid D, D end, outside linebacker thing that just his one job is to go after the, after the passer. And and he will. They've got some good linebackers for sure. Kalen King. Uh, he was the guy that I went through to because I didn't want to throw to Joey Porter. So he's going to be up there as well. They've got pros at every level and and those are the type of teams in their environment. It's their Super Bowl, right? Because they're expected to lose to um expected to lose to Ohio State. And the way the Big Ten does matchmaking is it's who's got the best record uh in conference win percentage against the West, I believe is how it works, the other division. So mm-hmm. they have uh they're playing Iowa, one of the favorites over there. So Their, I think, ideal scenario is to go eleven and one with the round robin of Michigan beating Ohio State, Ohio State beating Penn State, and then Penn State beating Michigan, and then they'd go through in a tiebreaker. Or even at that case, they'd be eleven and one and maybe be the fourth team sneaking in if the Pac-12 and other conferences cannibalize themselves. But the season comes down to that game, and it's nice that the Ohio State Penn State game is beforehand. So it gives a little bit of a. A blueprint potentially on how to beat them either way for either team so it's good we'll have film on both of those guys but super excited it's, it's it's probably one of the biggest games we're gonna have of the season and it's i think it's a standalone game in terms of big games so that's pretty good to see as well
0: oh yeah absolutely i mean you know talk about the big 10 are you excited for the expansion are you excited you know usc's coming in and oregon and you know, all the Washington's coming into, and then you got, also, yeah. you got some ACC teams trying to come in, Florida state's trying to come in, you know, are you excited about that? Or do you kind of want that old tradition of, you know, what you guys have had?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of both, right. Um, I would have loved a year or two of just the normal big 10 with no divisions. It would have been nice to play Ohio state back to back weeks. Um, I can't say I'm not surprised and I'm not excited that I can, you know, go out to California for a game. You know, I know Michigan next year we play at USC and host UCLA. So that will be cool. Um, Nine conference games. It's going to be interesting, right? Whenever you look at the way the sec frames themselves as a conference, it's how can we get a national champion out of this conference? And I just don't think the big 10 operates the same way, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, because we're now going to nine conference games and it's not even like you're bringing in you know uh, Rutgers and a uh, Nebraska right not super good teams you're bringing in UCLA who's you know on the up you've got Oregon Washington I think all teams were ranked last year and I believe like Washington USC and Oregon were all top 15 teams and they're all coming in with like Heisman level quarterbacks they will all be leaving next year all those guys but UCLA is the one I'm worried about the most. I, I know everyone thinks the easy answer is Lincoln Riley's guys. Listen, they don't play defense. They're going to have a, a hell of an experience having to play Iowa at night. right? But US, UCLA, they're, they're working the portal well. They're bringing in the Midwest kids too. right? Carson Steele, they're running back. He's this short guy with a long hair. You'll, everyone will love him. He'll be a media darling coming soon. He's an action hero. Uh, Dante Moore from Detroit. Uh, he's from Martin Luther King uh, High School. I don't know, Cass Tech, excuse me, uh, down in Detroit, like the heart of Detroit. And he wanted to go to Michigan, Michigan State. He ended up going to Oregon and then flipping to UCLA. So he's recruiting Midwest kids. And and Chip Kelly always has tricks up his sleeve. And um, it's just, I have a feeling the conference is going to eat itself apart. Like you're going to have a lot of Big Ten teams traveling to SEC teams early on in the playoff. And that's just bad for the conference. So And with the weird addition, and this is the thing I've read, probably way too much into it, but they're talking about Cal Stanford and SMU re, you know, potentially join the ACC. And my immediate thought is three teams. Okay. That's weird. Is that mean Florida States out? You know, ESPN is not going to want to break them and join them at the the SEC and break the ESPN media conference owns both of them. So where does that mean? Probably the big 10, who's an independent team that wants to go to the big 10 to make it an even number, maybe UConn, but let's be honest, it's probably going to be Notre Dame. And you add in Notre Dame and FSU to that conference, you've got eight, you know, perennial good teams and there's going to be way too many people, you know, without a chair when music stops. So I love it as like a college football fan. Like, if I was you guys, I'd be like, holy, I'm gonna have great noon games, great late night games, all these Big Ten teams. Oh, yeah. I could have a Michigan Oregon, I could have a USC Ohio State track meet at night. This could be awesome. And you guys are like, hey, listen, I've got no problem. I'm playing UConn this week. So I'm sitting it out having a great time. And it's just like, as a Big Ten fan, it's like, man, what are we doing? I get we're we're making way too much money, but if you want to start getting these national championship teams, I guess iron sharpens iron is the route we're going for. But who knows?
0: <laughs> hey, breaker, you got any questions? You've been quiet.
1: Oh, I'm, hey, I'm just letting all go
2: with because I'm I'm wondering as much as I can with everything outside the SEC
1: because for the longest time I you know that's all I've paid attention to really. Yeah, for sure. You gotta, you gotta know, man, these these quarterbacks are coming out of nowhere. I know there's two, <laughs> two big quarterbacks, you know. You know, Graham Mertz people are thinking he's good, and I'm like, hey, listen, guys, yeah. he's not uh, if I'm as I was a as, as, as guy that's be rooting for Tennessee other than playing Michigan, I would not be happier that you're facing Graham Mertz. Let me tell you that right now. That guy, oh boy, <laughs>
2: the thing that boys my mom the most is you know when you look at the odds, you have ESPN who has Florida favored for that game, but then you have Vegas who has us favored. And I want to say yeah. last I heard it was ESPN had them as a, I think it was seven and a half point favorite. I could be wrong. I'll have to look that up to double check, but you know, you're, you're bringing in a quarterback who's never faced a SEC caliber defense. And, you know, you just lost a uh, all, but you know, one wide receiver from last year your offensive line is shaky. You lost your best offensive lineman to the draft. Uh, you know, running back-wise, I mean, you still got ETN, who I feel like is still going to be a pretty good running back. But, you know, for the for people to think that, you know, I'm not going to say Florida doesn't have, have a chance because, you know, Tennessee in, the, in history is notorious going down to the swamp. And, you know, they'll start out really fast, really quick, jump on some points, but then just fold in the second half. But I just I feel like this year, you know, it, it should be one of those that it should uh, we should be able to go down there and handle business and get out hopefully with no injuries.
1: Yeah, the, the the history between the two is not good though. Graham Mertz did light up a Joe Milton Michigan team at home, but it was in COVID with no fans, so it doesn't count to me. But Joe um, did
2: say that he does not lose in Florida, so I'm hoping that holds true.
0: God, I do not like him saying that though. <laughs> like <laughs> I like I do, but I don't because how could you, you know. Yeah, like I said, I do, but I don't. I can't really elaborate on that. It's like, you know, Joe Milton, like you said, we should go in there and have no trouble and Correct. get out of there and hopefully maybe even get Nico in to play some in the swamp. But hey, we went into LSU last year and look what we did. Now oh,
2: that game was awesome. That game was oh, awesome. Oh yeah, dude. I don't oh. even as a Tennessee fan, I don't even
1: think anybody saw that coming.
0: No. I remember me and yeah. me and him were calling each other like, dude, like what's what the heck is going on?
1: Yeah, my sister was on the field for that game and she was like, Blake, I thought you said were supposed to lose this game. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I just keep getting these notifications that you keep scoring and it's crazy. So I was like, see, enjoy the enjoy the atmosphere. And she was like, This is awesome.
0: See, and you know, going to Joe Milton, I you know the Florida State guy, he asked me sporadics, he asked me, you know, what Joe Milton we're gonna get. I think we're going to get the Joe Milton people are going to be scared of because I've heard so many good things at a fall camp. And like you said, it's fall camp. But Joe, all Joe needed was that touch. That's all he needed. 100%. And the guy, I mean, dude's huge. He has a cannon for an arm. All you need is that touch. If he has that touch, kind of hard not to be like, okay, Tennessee is going to be in every single one of these ball games. and you know, even the Alabama game, they have a great defense, but you know Tennessee's gonna be hard to cover with especially with the tandem of four wide receivers we have. you know, but like you said, I think Michigan, if Michigan could turn it around and get some good wide receivers, it'd be you know smoke sh- especially with quorum coming back. Quorum, oh man dude, that kid is so much fun to watch. You know, I'm actually really excited he's coming back. His and I'm glad.
2: He's, he has a elite vision.
0: Oh, yeah. And I'm glad we don't have to, you know, deal with him. Even though our run defense is pretty good. I mean, that's like a Jameer Gibbs. Like, everyone was – Jameer Gibbs was on another level, so it was quorum. So.
1: Yeah. With the running clock, too. The way Michigan plays the football. I joke sometimes oh, yeah. when I even touch the ball.
0: <laughs> oh, you yeah.
1: Those, those long seven-minute Army drives. and just You were the, the Tennessee Titans of college football. Absolutely. And I'm totally okay with that, man. You have our defense flying downhill and run the ball to death. That works for me.
0: Now, um, do you have any uh, does Michigan have any standout uh, players that you're excited to watch during the NFL? Talk about the Titans that kind of made me think about do you have any Michigan players that you're actually really excited to watch in the NFL this year?
1: Yeah, um Aiden Hutchinson obviously is a is a pretty good cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to look to do a lot in the lions this year. Lions have expectations for the first time in basically my lifetime. So that's a little terrifying and favored win the division, I don't think that hasn't happened <laughs> maybe ever. Um, other guys I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I think Frank clark just got re-signed somewhere. I don't know where the heck he's at, but he's all over the place. nowadays. uh, Nico Collins receiver for the te- Texans. He might be receiver one down there now. I know they got rid of Brandon cooks to the, the Cowboys. He's probably doing a little bit there um our our legend Chad Henney retired he's off he's gone uh no quarterbacks in the league I can think of Hassan Haskins I don't no comment (laughs) plead the fifth pending (laughs) pending legal stuff so uh listen he he beat beat Ohio State that's all I'll I'll comment on that one um Donovan Peoples-Jones as well he's a receiver out there for the Browns they're probably not gonna throw the ball much again so maybe him and Amari Cooper can can do something but we're starting to get a lot more guys drafted, which is great. Uh, Jake Moody, uh, you know, one of the highest drafted kickers in a very long time. Uh, he's, on the, he's on the Niners along with Ronnie Bell. You know, some some standout rookies there doing a little bit in preseason. So I think we're going to have a lot of guys drafted coming up soon. Um, you know, none of the most sexy positions, right? You know, you're drafting offensive linemen. It, it's tough to even find, you know, YouTube highlights for any of these guys. So, yeah, n- not so much guys in the pros right now, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: Hey, speaking of your Detroit Lions, though, I love your head coach Dan oh, Campbell's right. dude. I, hard knocks was so much fun to watch with him. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. Every year.
1: HBO, so
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, Dan, he, dude, I love the way he coaches. He's bringing like a culture, you know, to the, to the Lions, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> hey, the Lions got a steal in the draft of Hendon Hooker because that guy. Oh man, yeah, I, I can't believe he went that that low. And Listen,
1: ACLs in today's NFL and today's modern medicine is nothing more than ankle sprain, just eight, nine months out. Dude's a super computer. Um, I legitimately think it's potentially the best case scenario for us. I mean, I feel bad for the kid for not making a ton of money, but he's gonna be going into like what 28, 29 on a rookie deal, potentially. He's gonna be super cost effective. You know, he could be honestly an upgrade on Jared Goff. I'm I'm high on Jared Goff, but The things that that kid was able to do, I mean, he came from Virginia Tech and he was god awful, right? And then he comes into the system, wasn't even supposed to start. You know, obviously starts over uh, Joe Milton. And that's just the thing between him and Joe Milton where I'm like, the people are kind of overlooking is Hennon was a genius. I mean, like I remember like his breakdown on Pat McAfee, he did for like literally like five, 10 minutes. Just the way he was like, uh, he was just deciphering and he's unloading all these packages and everything, he's just a genius and it's an extra offensive coordinator on the field. And those are the guys that always succeed at the next level. Sure, he's old, who cares? He's a genius. You can't teach that supercomputer brain to, to Anthony Richardson, you can't do that to Will Levis, right? And these guys oh, yeah. getting picked over him because you know the NFL is kind of leaning towards an, an almost an NBA style traits over production. And I just don't see it, man. I'm like, this guy. It's what 27 touchdowns, two picks? I mean, he's an absolute animal. And I I, I don't I like even said one? I don't know why the Chiefs didn't take him. Just put him in that system as a backup only, you know, Brazen Cave Emergency. Hey, listen, that's why I make videos and I'm not in the NFL, but I don't know why 31 teams passed on him.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, even speaking about Joe Milton again, uh that's the thing that scares people the most is like look at what Hendon did. Joe Milton to me is more talented. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say smart. Uh, maybe not as smart as Hendon, but the tangibles on Joe, if if Hypo could take a Hendon Hooker and turn him into what he was last year, I mean, Joe Milton, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and if Joe
2: can gain a little bit of what Hendon had in they, his pocket awareness. Then that is what's going to make Joe very dangerous
1: hundred percent. Cause he is a little bit of, I even joke, Eli Manning self-sacking him. Obviously I don't need to tell y'all about when the time, you know, he ran out of bounds in the last second play, which made me. <laughs> throw never forget Ole Miss. <laughs> Exactly. Right. But again, I think that the system not to like insult anybody, any of the quarterbacks there, it's so simple and it dumbs it down so easy where it's like, look, either hand it off, hit the first guy and taking that out of, you know, cause he loved to overthink things and, Obviously, it's hard to, to be a quarterback at Michigan recently. Like, Michigan didn't help him at all. I mean, the the organization, everyone, we voted against playing football. We were the lead team in COVID. We're like, we don't want to do this. So we were not doing lifts, not doing practices, nothing. It was all on their own. Michigan honestly failed him. I'll be straight up honest. But will I still claim him if he ends up winning the Heisman and going crazy <laughs> like Ohio State fans do, Joe Burrow? Absolutely. And I will not apologize for it. But We got him first. I, Yeah. Right. I just think the system is perfect for him and he's got the X factor where he can, again, he can throw it 80 yards if needed. Like we kind of saw the first play of the Vanderbilt game where it's like, listen, he's just, he might not, it doesn't even have to complete it. You just do it once and the defensive coordinator is going to go, holy crap, it wasn't just video editing. You can actually do it. You know, just one shot over the middle, it's like, whoa, okay. It, it, I always joke it's like a, a prize boxer, like a Deontay Wilder where it's like he's got that right hand. At all at all times, he can throw it 75 yards, one play, boom, game's flipped, and you just suck the air out of the stadium. So I, I think if sneaky, there's a guy to do it, it's Hypo.
2: <laughs> I got a sneaky feeling that Hypo is going to open the Virginia game with just a bomb down the field. And I think he's just going to do it just to go ahead and get the hype going with ESPN, all the announcers, and just the fan base in general. I think he's just going to take that
1: first shot just to let Joe just air it out.
0: Dante Thornton.
1: <laughs> yeah, people are not talking about him a lot. I mean, everyone's talking about Brew McCoy and Squirrel White. Dante Thornton is track star, and he would just run under. He's the he's the, the the closest thing you can get to Hyatt. I'm not saying he's high at speed at all, but he's up well, there. He a little track my, the word is Jordan. that he is high at speed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he yeah. runs a he runs a four four. He's 6-5, 215. and uh, hey, and a lot of people are sleeping on Ramel Keaton. Ramel Keaton, I've heard oh, yeah. a lot of stuff about, and that's the thing, man. It's like I always joke about it and talk about the first play at Virginia. This would be my play. I'd say, hey, Thornton, and you you've you've seen it. Hyatt did it last year at the Kentucky game. You put Dante Thornton in front, have Squirrel White right behind him. How do you cover that? You're going to have, yeah, you're going to have Dante Thornton, and you're not going to see Squirrel White for a minute. And then all of a sudden, Squirrel White's in the end zone. Just, I mean, it's crazy. I'm, oh, God, I'm so excited. 10 days away, man. It's It's a perfect
1: opening game because it's a power five opponent, but it's, you know, a glorified MAC team this year.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm trying not to buy tickets because, like like I said, I'm a season ticket holder, but it being in Nashville, you have to buy tickets. I I
1: will be at the game. So,
0: oh, okay, cool. I think uh, Breaker's going too. So, um,
1: Absolutely now sister just finished up with Rush so they're all they're all excited to get down there over to uh over to Oh, Nashville. it's going to be
0: yeah, it's going to be crazy. I don't care if it's in Nashville, it's going to be it's going to be nuts. But yeah. uh anyways, uh Breaker, you got any questions? Uh
2: I get is there one position that Michigan has that, you know, you're potentially one injury away from, you know, being in a in a spot where you're worried where, you know, some of these games that you should win could end up being you know and eh, not feeling so great about it anymore
1: yeah i would say corner if if will johnson goes down that's tough right he's a you know i don't know what the, i always forget what the, the line bat or the corner the corner award is but he's probably gonna be a short list for that but our corner two has been an issue um We went after uh, Aaron Scott and Bryce West, two Ohio kids, real hard in the corner. We went after uh, Boo Carter, uh, number one guy in Tennessee on defense, which y'all took from us at the end, um, who was going to commit to Michigan. And that last second visit got him back home. So uh, he obviously, we've been trying to recruit it that way. I mean, Will Johnson's a generational type kid. I mean, he's a true freshman, not locking down Marvin Harrison, but the next closest thing, too. So if he goes down, it'd be tough. Um, Other than that, pretty deep every position i mean i mean quarterback obviously i don't think anyone's really got a good backup quarterback i mean you guys obviously have nico who's generational type guy i'm, I'm i have a jersey of his ready i'm super excited <laughs> about him for sure i mean he's i always joke i'm like listen joe Milton doesn't work out you got the next best backup plan but michigan i mean we got jack tuttle who is was uh, indiana's quarterback so um but the, the funny thing is and that you guys might get a kick out of this one we have a uh, a guy, uh, Alex Orgy, Now he, that is his last name. Uh, he's gotten a little bit of buzz with uh He had a rushing touchdown against um, I forgot which team it was, and Robert from the third went viral. He's like, there's an orgy in the end zone. He's an absolute freak. He's like a Joe Milton type guy. I mean, he's he does a lot of backflips. He's got a bunch of social media presence. He'll do the same thing. He'll like kick a, kick a ball off the upright and then throw it sixty yards he would be maybe a a wildcat package in case JJ somehow got hurt. And um, he's actually been taking reps at kick kick return and punt return as a quarterback, which is very interesting. So yeah, maybe a a bit of depth there, but again, I think every answer is quarterback, but definitely defensive back would be a a bit of a nightmare that that became a problem.
0: Now, uh, before we, you know, end this, I want to, I'm going to, so we'll start off with Michigan. I want to know what you think you guys end up and maybe even like what bowl game you end in or if you go to the college football playoffs. So I'm kind of interested. You don't have to go game by game. Just give me a record and just, sure. uh, you know, what do you think you guys are going? Then I'll go to breaker and see what he thinks, what Michigan's going to go this year.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going with 12 and 0. I could see 11 and one, if it's 11 and one, we'd be on the outside looking in, we'd be, uh, you know, begging to get in the playoff. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. The Harbaugh suspension, the way it was handled by the NCAA, I think, lit a fire under this team. Um, I was worried about complacency going into the season where it's like, look, we didn't play in COVID, you know, and then 2021, 2022, we were 2-0 against Ohio State. So over, you know, in theory, 75% of the roster has beaten Ohio State, and I was worried about that, you know, being complacent that, like, we're the winners now. We, you know, we've moved on from beat Ohio to beat Georgia, right? This the the press conference we've seen coming out. It's got me ready to run through a wall. I mean, it is off season season. Everyone's going twelve and zero, right? Oh, I yeah, think Michigan yeah. does it. Um, I've been on record. I think we're t- we're facing Clemson uh, potentially in the Rose Bowl. I'm, I'm assuming Georgia runs the table. Um, in theory, I mean, even if the loss to you guys, I think you know they probably still get in the playoff. But if you guys beat them, I'd imagine that means we're the number one seed, which I would not hate. And um, <laughs> you know, just win a playoff game. I mean, it's getting ridiculous at this point. Obviously, Georgia was a buzzsaw. TCU, I was, I was buying flights to the championship game uh, mid uh, first play when we ran it almost to the goal line. But uh, it's it's national championship or bust. Michigan Wolverines. This is the best roster Harbaugh's ever had uh, outside the NFL, obviously, and uh, this is the best team I've have had in my lifetime. And it is it is it is not, nothing nothing short of a national championship. Man, at least get me in the building against. Potentially Georgia, maybe you guys, who knows? I think it will be either one of you two, to be honest. But hey, yeah, hey, we,
0: trust so. me, we hope so. Hey, so, uh, Breaker, what do you think? What do you think Michigan's going to go this year?
2: You know, I, gut feelings telling me 11 and 1 just because I don't know Ohio State situation with a quarterback. You get a guy that comes in there that just like anybody else that's, you know, average to above average that can, you know, get Marvin Harrison the ball because he's obviously going to get himself open. You know, we saw that last year. No matter what defense he's playing, he's going to get open. So you just got to find somebody that can get the ball to him. I will – the one game that I'm very – going to be very intrigued to watch is going to be that Michigan-Nebraska game because it's going to be Matt Rule's first big game at Nebraska – And, you know, there's going to be a lot of hype around them, a lot of hype around the team. I I think Michigan is going to win that game. I'm just – that's the one on your schedule that I think I'm the most excited to watch just because, you know, it's just – you got a very experienced team going into a new coaching staff at what seems to be like a revived fan base at Nebraska.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Jeff Sims is mobile threat. That guy did a lot of Georgia Tech. Him and – uh, Gibbs were from there, and and I could see it. Thankfully, that game's also at noon. So uh, if it was a night game under the lights again, I know we struggled against them last time we were there. Um, but I could see it. I know it's a big spread game, but you never know with these new coaches, new teams. It's hard to handicap.
0: Yeah. Now, last thing, I promise is the last thing. I want to know your take on the Tennessee balls this year. What what do you think our record is going to be? Who do you think we're going to lose to? Um, yeah, that's that's really all I want to know. What do you, what do you think Tennessee looks like this year?
1: I can personally guarantee two wins uh, when I'm in attendance at the South Carolina game. Revenge, I got you guys. Don't <laughs> worry, and I'll uh, also be at the the Virginia game. I, I think it really comes down to three main games. I, I'm not worried about Florida. I'm not moved. Um, you know, they're going to start their own one. I mean, they're they're facing a third string quarterback potentially out in in Provo, and the spread didn't move. Um. Texas a m that pass defense is mm-hmm. hellish. Now, I will say no one understands that Tennessee has got two very competent NFL-ready running backs, right, and, and small and right, and, and mm-hmm. people don't like to talk about that. I guess I would say with, you know, potentially losing Darnell Wright, not potentially, definitely losing Darnell Wright, how does the, the, the run block going to be? Who knows? Uh, you know, obviously Milton, not Milton, uh, Hooker's ability to run. Right was another X factor there for sure. I think you'll get past them. I think it's going to be a pretty tough game. And I believe, isn't it the game before Alabama? I think it might be a little bit of a look-ahead spot there. Obviously, that's a certain yeah. thing.
0: So we, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, I'm pretty sure we come off a bye to play Texas A&M.
1: Okay, so that uh, that helps. At least at least for then, sure. Yeah,
0: then then Bama. <laughs> then we go to Tuscaloosa right after that.
1: Correct. And, and it being in, in Knoxville helps as well. At Tuscaloosa, I mean – anyone would be insane to pick you guys, but I, I tend to think I'm a bit of an unhinged individual sometimes. And I think it's going to be a coming down to whoever's got the ball last. I think it's going to be similar to last year where I mean it's almost nearly statistically impossible to beat Saban back to back years. But again, with, with no quarterback, they do got the horses to do it, but that run defense again is not talked about with Tennessee. The, the biggest issue is, is pass defense. And if you've got Notre Dame's leftovers potentially starting, or you got Milrow who can't throw the ball, I I don't know. I think it, it, I could definitely see you guys winning that game. I, I'm gonna say a win just because I'm on the channel. Why not? You know. <laughs> and then that Georgia game is gonna be everything. And it's again, it's a. It, are we gonna see fatigue from you know how heavy the crown is of Georgia, right? And, and Tennessee, it's the biggest game Tennessee's seen probably in God knows how long. Potentially, if you've got an undefeated Tennessee and an undefeated Georgia in Neyland. I mean, game day, everything should be there. I mean, the center of the universe should be focused on there, but oh yeah, I don't know if I can pick you guys against Georgia. I I, I don't know. I just really think it's going to come down to 11 and one, but that's my prediction. I would say 11 to one and there's a lot of close scares, um, uh, you know, with, with, with those guys, but you've got the seniority. I mean, Joe Milton's a senior you got, you know, now you've got Hypo and what I think is third year. Now he's got some experience yep. as well. And. It, you'll potentially be on the outside looking in. I mean, if it, it, I don't know how they always do this. I, I don't think they'd have you guys play Georgia again. They might slip you in at number three. You know, I think, you know, obviously, Pac-12 cannibalizes itself. Same with the Big 12. I'm not a, a Texas' back guy. So we'll see how it gets into the playoff. I mean, worst-case scenario, you'll probably pe- play the second-best Big Ten team or third-best Big Ten team in the bowl game. You know, you guys playing Ohio State in the bowl game would be awesome. I would love to watch oh, that. Yeah. That'd be very fun. I mean the points would be crazy. So I I think it's close. I, I I will say eleven and one is my official prediction.
0: Uh hey, I love it. Breaker, I haven't heard yours yet. What's yours?
1: I'm I'm also
2: gonna go eleven and one. Um I think I think our one loss is going to ultimately be at Alabama. Um I will only say that you know it's a it's a coin toss with the Alabama Georgia loss you know because our bye week comes after South Carolina going into the A and M game, so you know that gives us an edge at A and M. But it's you know the Alabama game's all going to depend on how beat up are we after A and M, you know because that that every time you know the last time we played A and M it was a dog fight into double overtime, you know if that turns into another dog fight you know how beat up are we going into Tuscaloosa. Another looking at the Georgia game. Week before that, you're at Missouri. Last year, Missouri beat up Georgia pretty hard. You know their defense showed up. That I mean, they didn't show up against us when they came to Neyland. But you know, at Missouri, they they gave Georgia their biggest fit of the season. And I don't think Missouri is as good as they were last year. But you know, if you can if you can go into Missouri and get up twenty one points pretty quickly, I think in that game you pull you go ahead and throw in your ultimately, hopefully third string guys, you know, ride it out to the end, even if, you know, you give up some points who cares, but I feel like if you, you got to try to go quick in that Missouri game and get your key guys out as soon as possible to give you a shot at Georgia at home.
0: Yeah. And you know, a lot of people don't realize is, so look at us. So we play Texas A&M on the 21st, I believe. It's the 14th. Oh, yeah. So October 14th, the week before that, Texas A&M plays Alabama. Oh. So that's another thing. That's um, huge. But also, you got to look at the Alabama game when it comes to us playing them. They have a tough slate. They got, I mean, you start off with the Texas game in week two. Then you got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Arkansas, then us. And then they got to play LSU. So... That's why I truly believe we beat Bama again just because of, you know, the week before. They have to play AM the week before. Or, well, sorry, we have to play, you know. But yeah. I'm just saying, they have to play Arkansas and three other great teams. So there's no saying how beat up they're going to be either. So, oh, yeah. but yeah, I agree with both yours. I think, like, you know, coin flip, Georgia or Alabama. We shouldn't lose any other game, but... college football and we love it and we love it so uh lastly before we get out of here blake uh go ahead if you want to tell you know tell everyone where they could follow you at follow what you do and you know anything like that
1: yeah for sure just uh blake stackpool on twitter um and uh my youtube channel is the same thing just at blake stackpool so appreciate having you guys have me on i love it
0: oh yeah man we we appreciate you we love hearing and learning about different teams that we might not know fully about so we wish you and Michigan some good luck, unless you play us. Um, <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> uh, Breaker, I appreciate you joining on the podcast. Uh, hopefully this is a normal routine thing now. And uh, Yeah. Um, it's th- definitely going to be. <laughs> All right, man. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Um, everyone listening, this is the Beer Barrel Podcast, episode five with the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, we appreciate you listen, and uh, you can subscribe on YouTube for free. Like, like I said, check out Blake on YouTube as well. Good guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, so that's it. We appreciate you guys. Talk to you later.
1: Go balls, go blue.